millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. Welcome to episode 28. We talk to actress and model Kelly Ray Legault. Talk about what it's like coming from a small town in Michigan to the big city in New York to make it as an actress and uh, dating here in the city and relationships and uh, all kinds of stuff. This was a really fun one to do. It was a fun episode. I am on the West Coast all week, and then some, doing a little tour if you're there, or if you know anyone there, doing uh, stand-up shows from LA up to Portland, Oregon, and back down again in San Francisco, too. So if you want to come out, they're all on my website, GaryGaryLevitt.com. Please come and say hello if you're there, if you're listening. And I know some of you are, because I see you. All right, I uh, hope you enjoy this episode with me, Matt Kaplan, and Kelly Ray Legault. Oh, before we get into it, you know, there's show notes for each episode. All you have to do is tap on the picture on whatever device you're listening to, and I think that'll show the notes and links and stuff about uh, each of our guests and the show. So now you know that. If you didn't, uh, I know some people didn't because they told me what the hell. So, yeah. Okay. Enjoy this episode. Because the mics are so sensitive. Yeah. All right. Just like you. (laughs) 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 How do you you know Matt? How do you guys know each other? I met 
Matt through um, Pamela Kramer's horror class at Actors Connection. It's an introductory class to auditioning for sci-fi and horror films. Yeah. And we do little skits together. And uh, when you take part in those classes, you find out quickly who the standouts are. And Matt certainly was one of them. I enjoyed all of the scenes that he did. He stands out in a horror class because he's so horrifying? (laughs) No, because he is so talented and he's such a nice guy when you get to know him and he can portray these really creepy characters. And I I like to do that in my own work as well. So I I gravitated towards his his energy and his abilities right away. You're attracted to horror? Indeed, yes. So I could see why you'd think Matt's great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that serial killer scene you did, though? Um, for which which one? It we was, did a few of those. We did. It was the intensive. You had the girl like on the chair. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yes. I don't even good. remember what scene it was. <laughs> that triggered his memory. <laughs> <laughs> was it the, which time, right? <laughs> Wait, was that real life or the class? The class. W- was it the one from uh, House of a Thousand Corpses? That oh, that one? It was that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that one. Mm-hmm. So you just wanted to, him to remember it? Because it was good or... No, I just, I, that's how we became friends. And I knew like, okay, I would like to work with this person in the future. He, he's talented and he can take on those darker characters. Like yeah. I enjoy too. What, what makes a good actor? I mean, obviously for me is I'm not an actor, but well, I can, but whatever. But uh, like when I watch actors, some are just believable and some aren't. I think it's about just being yourself up there. You impart your the qualities from yourself into the character. And if it's not believable, if you don't believe it, how the hell is your audience going to believe it? Mm-hmm. So are you like, the, when I hear about method acting, mm-hmm. like Daniel Day Lewis, he made everyone address him as Abraham Lincoln the whole time he played Lincoln. Mm-hmm. But that's not him. That's him becoming somebody else. Like, it seems to me like a good actor would be able to click on and off. Exactly. And there's many different ways to, you know, approach a role but what i like to do is research it as much as possible and try my very best to put kelly in that situation but if it's necessary to take on other qualities to you know make the more the role more believable i'm going to do that as well so putting yourself in the 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 role situation that means you're putting yourself in the sense of like all your experiences all absolutely your emotions. yes whatever is behind you is going to be part of the character regardless because you're the one portraying the character i like that so that means that you want to get more life experiences so you could bring them to your roles definitely mm-hmm. oh that's similar to uh, any good artist really you want to experience a lot of life yes so you bring it to your art mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah when you're when you get a role when you get cast in a role do you when you find out what the role is do you kind of go into that world I try to. I try to really look at the script first and then decide how I'm going to approach it. If it's something that's really different from who I am as a person, it's going to take a little more soul searching. It's going to, you know, maybe force me to call up some experiences that maybe I don't want to. But if I can draw on that to make the character more effective. What kind of experiences? Like emotional ones? Yeah, emotional, you know, trauma and Obviously, I do a lot of horror and sci-fi. I've thankfully never been trapped in a basement begging for my life or anything like that. Well, the, the day is <laughs> yeah. not. <laughs> and we are, conveniently enough, in a basement. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecies are so interesting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, but, you know, you, you really try to, as 
honestly as you can bring everything you can to a role so your audience is right along with you mm -hmm. so when if you have to feel horror have you ever been murdered I have not. Yes. I, I'm not a ghost sitting here. Uh, yeah, I am a real life human. <laughs> so, how do you have you had something horrifying happen to you that you pull from? I can't say directly. Like I've I've never survived like a trauma or an accident or anything like that. But what I can draw on is like emotional, like loneliness, feelings of like frustration mm -hmm. and things things of that nature. That's what I try to bring to a lot of my roles. If I'm asked to portray like something darker, you have to really visit those parts in, of yourself that you don't like so much. But no, I I haven't been in a in a life so so this or anything like this that. might be the closest you've ever been to being locked in a basement. <laughs> yes, though I do also live in a basement. So you do. <laughs> I do. Hey, yeah, in Washington Heights. Hey, whoop. <laughs> basement buddies. That was a high five on the radio. <laughs> Yeah, do you have windows in your basement? I do, but you know what's funny? I was just talking about this the other day. I consider myself largely subterranean, because if you think about it, <laughs> I live underground. My main mode of transportation is always underground, yeah. so I, I'm underground more than I'm above ground these days. I think like that, too, and then I think <laughs> the only other things that are underground as much as me are rats. Yes, mm. rats and roaches. We're in good company. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've actually gotten pretty comfortable with cockroaches. They don't bother me that much. Okay. So cockroaches, I can't stand. Mm -hmm. But rats, I'm, I'm cool with. I'm really? Good, I'm good with rats. I would much rather see a rat come here than a roach on the floor right now. Really? Yep. Wow. So do you, you, don't, you find uh, rats kind of cute? <laughs> you know, I, I've never had a problem with like rodents like mice. Um, I had rabbits growing up. So like I, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. But I never saw a cockroach before I moved to New York City. Oh. Uh. And I still, I've gotten better about them. I'm very good at wielding a can of Raid in their general direction. Mm -hmm. But I You're still, so brave. I still, I, <laughs> I feel like I have grown much more courageous in New York, for sure. Yeah. Well, they say we're so out of touch with nature here. Yes. But we're pretty in touch with these bugs and rodents. But it's true. It's I just true. feel like anything that comes into my home is an invasion of my space. So the bigger the creature then the worse. Yeah, the more you want to charge yeah, a so rat. If, yeah, if a rat came into my place, yeah, I would <laughs> charge him and then run him out. Yes. I, like, I think mice are kind of cute, but rats, they're just, there's something really feral and ugly and nasty. Yeah, I think it's the tail for mm. rats. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit unsettling. It's, it's, but, but mice don't bother me at all. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of cute. Yeah. They look like, it's like the cross between it. It's like, almost like a cat. Yeah. A very small bunny. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. I think a good solution to get rid of all the rats is to just unleash all the wild cats. You know, I mean, it'd be kind of we'd just see them all over the subway, mm -hmm. which cute. would be much cuter. Yeah, yeah. much cuter. Be. I'm into that. <laughs> Make New York cute again. I like that. <laughs> so, uh, what made you decide to become an actress that focuses in horror of all things? Well, this is an interesting story because I fell into the horror scene by complete accident. I have a theater background, mm -hmm. and when I lived in Michigan and when I was at school, I did largely like sketch comedy and like family productions because from a very small town, you can't do something too brave or too crazy. You are trying to sell tickets to families and the people of the community that will come and see it. So I grew up playing a lot of like 
just characters on stage, but it was these big, broad things. It wasn't anything particularly evil or interesting. And I had every intent of pursuing theater when I moved to New York. Is that is that because it was in Michigan and maybe a smaller market that it was? I mean, in New York City, obviously, there's all kinds of avant-garde stuff. Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. So that was partially because it had to do with, was it a small town? Very small town, yeah. Okay. The town I come from is less than 5,000 people now. So they're not going <laughs> to have like uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch no, or Rocky no, Horror? definitely not. Yeah. And maybe only at the university level, but again, that's university kids. It's it's catering to a different kind of crowd. But yeah, so when I came to New York, I had every intention of continuing theater, and then I just realized it did not fit into a hospitality schedule. I couldn't work to live and support myself, you know. What do you mean the, hospitality schedule? So when I moved here, I worked in the hotels, like the hotel, the restaurant industry. Oh, like a day job. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And I'm not a trained singer or dancer, so Broadway's out right away. And the other, like, straight plays I could go out for, it required, like, consistent set rehearsal schedules. Sometimes in hospitality, you don't know Sunday if you're working Monday, you know? Right. So I became to get very discouraged by thinking, like, wow, I guess I really have to put my acting career on the back burner, even though I just moved to the city to start it, you know? So Right, so you came from... Michigan to mm-hmm. New York City to pursue acting as a career. Yes, in the hopes of continuing with theater. And I've been watching Saturday Night Live since I was three years old. I want to be on that show one day. And, uh-huh. and I don't know if it could ever happen, but that was in my head when I moved here to try to get on Saturday Night Live. A, a past guest of ours, Kevin Allison, described those kinds of jobs as survival jobs. That's exactly mm-hmm. it, yes. Okay, so it's not anything, it's not just another interest you have. No. That you want to pursue. No, it's something I'm good at. And I I think that's part of the theater training as well. You just, you're articulate. You're able to speak to people. You find interest in meeting people from all over and different backgrounds because you could get, you know, character development from them. <laughs> right. It's a good study. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So long story short, back and forth on Fifth Avenue, working in hotels, working in spas, I became aware of a director in Astoria who was casting kind of a macabre avant-garde music video, and I was friends with one of the girls I was working with at the time, Ziamara, we're still friends, Mm -hmm. but she introduced me to this director, and he's based largely in the indie horror scene, Mm -hmm. and he does like very macabre but beautiful pieces and but this is uh for video not theater. this is for video yes so what's the difference for you in uh acting in theater as opposed to the screen i know like when a camera's on you the tiniest little movement shows mm-hmm. where theater you kind of have to be very big and you you just nailed it that's that's the thing and i was never in front of a camera until that day for the music video i had only done stage work you know, coming from a very small town, there wasn't really like a huge film scene or anything happening like that. Some badly done local commercials would be the extent of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> which, do you, which do you prefer? Right now, I think film and television is the way I'm going now. Uh-huh. It's really interesting, but it it stemmed from the desire to be involved, but to have it work in a life where I could still support myself in the city. And it's much easier to take a day or two to do a show or, you know, a short film 
than it is to have to worry about a consistent rehearsal schedule mm-hmm. for, you know, sometimes months, weeks, months, what have you. Yeah, and I guess the trade-off is when you're live, you're getting that buzz yes. from the audience. And I do miss that live audience element. There's there's nothing like it. I very much am looking forward to get, getting back on stage one day. You seem like uh, such a natural for horror. Thank and you. I didn't I didn't know this. You're welcome. I didn't know that you had like big comedy dreams early on. And we've discussed it a little bit. But at this point, are you still looking to do more comedy? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I've been feeling an intense draw toward like sketch and comedy recently. And I had said last year, it was a goal of mine before the year ended. I was going to do a stand up routine. The first one ever, you know, just something that scared me. Still haven't done it, but it's it's on my bucket list of things to do. The idea of doing stand-up scares you? Oh, very much. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I, you've done improv, right? But, well, improv is not my strong suit. I prefer more like sketch comedy where okay. you have to put on a weird accent and, you know, it's got five minutes and a little story that everyone goes with. But improv actors are immensely talented, and I can see how that can help anything you do if you're speaking in front of people. It's It's just fascinating to me. Do you ever get lost like when you're doing roles or something you're like i don't or just acting so much that you forget who you are yes yeah definitely you do huh Mm -hmm. what does that feel like it's i can describe it um this a recent project i did was called painkiller and it's a science fiction short about a woman who becomes um possessed by the desire to be hurt. It w- this organism craves pain, and unless she's administered pain, she's going to die. So for that, I had to just she find... She survives on pain. She survives on pain, mm-hmm. exactly. And for that, I mean, funny enough, it was in a basement. We made a padded room for me. I was surrounded by garbage, and you're just in that situation. You're like, okay, I feel pretty hopeless. I feel pretty ugly. I feel just trapped down here. And and that's what where I would go is just to retreat to those those places in myself where mm-hmm. I feel so uncomfortable, so so just unsure of the decisions that would I've you, made. Would you pull from a specific memory that happened? You can, you can do that. Um, I no, did. What would you? Hmm. What I did pull from for mm-hmm. that was just the collective like loneliness and frustration I've had in the city, not being able to do what I really want, like being too involved in the survival jobs, as you mentioned. And, you know, I did not move to New York from Michigan to work in hotels and spas. But the first seven years of my life, that was my reality. So I could stay here. And little by little, I found these opportunities and these ways to get involved that kind of took over the direction of what I do now. Are you still working hospitality? I am, but very little. I have a, a... restaurant gig in the West Village only on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So I have my full week open to pursue gigs and to try to continue furthering myself. Right, because mm-hmm. you have to go on auditions and stuff during the day. Yes, and you have to have a paycheck, though. That's what it comes down to. You mm-hmm. know, you do have to have some little bit of a survival job until you get the consistent gigs. And yeah, I mean, well, that loneliness that you mentioned... I mean, you grew up in a small town in Michigan? Very small, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so coming to New York City is almost the polar opposite. Mm-hmm. And often, even though you're surrounded by a lot more people, you could feel way more lonely surrounded by people. Completely, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think another great thing about the horror industry and why it's easier to have their survival job is because it is such a small community 
and you are established in this community. So you might not have to go on as many random auditions that, you know, someone's making a film and they're like, oh, how about Kelly? So I think it reduces your time of just going on endless auditions of things that you might not even want to be going for. That's true. And that's a testament to the people I have met over the past five mm -hmm. years since I got involved. It, it's just been great because one project leads to another and you take a class that's nine more connections right there, and who knows what they're doing. And it word just of mouth continues. networking. Yeah. Yeah. Was it most of your stuff comes from word of mouth? In the horror industry, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also registered with um, Central Casting, so I do a lot of background work, and I'm eligible for Screen Actors Guild, but I haven't pursued that next step just yet. Central casting. Is there a West casting or something? No, I think it's just central casting, but it's primarily background for television and film. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yes. Now, as far as union, uh, everything you've done has been non-union? Yes. So they would have to, if you did become union, there would have to be an agreement. Otherwise, you couldn't do a lot of the stuff you've been doing. Right. Or I would have to go to another, you know, level of the indie scene. Right. But that's, that's all very it's a pie-in-the-sky dream right mm -hmm. now. And I've been told to stay where I am until it's absolutely necessary to accept something where I must join. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's interesting, this idea of losing yourself in that scene as you were describing, like you felt like, you're like, whoa, I might have gone too far. I can't snap out of this emotion. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, Matt and I were talking about this before you got here. It could be similar dating or even in relationships where one person kind of loses the sense of who they are. Mm-hmm. And so is it similar to that? Like you're just focusing so much on the role, the other person, that you forget who you are? I do think that. And it's funny because Painkiller was about like codependency in relationships and abuse. And you could look at it many different ways. And my character offered herself to be a guinea pig for this experiment so she could become, you know, everything to her fiancé again, because he was so engrossed in this research in the film. So she was doing it for him. Yes, yeah. Uh -huh. I want to be the center of your world again, and if this is the way to do it, so be it. Have you ever, do, were you pulling from a specific relationship? Have no, you had that oh no, no, nothing like that. You I, never lost yourself in a relationship? Not really. I'm, I'm not in them long enough to, <laughs> to feel that way. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's another frustration. It's impossible to date in New York, so I do very little of that. <laughs> why, why do you say that? I mean, I hear that from people, obviously, mm -hmm. but why do you say that? Because technology has ruined communication. And it's only going to keep getting worse. How so? Can you like? With, you don't like texting or? Nope. I I think we we can order a person like we can order a pizza. So there's no investment, you know, happening largely. I just ordered a pepperoni woman the other <laughs> day. Get out of here! I hope she was very tasty. <laughs> but yeah, you know I what I mean. I wish I liked pepperoni. <laughs> it's just it's so impersonal, and maybe that's my Midwest showing a little bit, but. In the city, everyone is, you know, they're out for themselves and they're going after everything, which is wonderful. And it's good to be selfish in certain times. But it's, it's very difficult to get someone to invest in a person out here. I'm, I'm finding, anyway. Yeah. I, it's like the candy counter effect. There's just always something else and you can never decide or be happy on one yeah, thing. Yeah. So many options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Too many options. Too many. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why uh, arranged marriages are actually better, higher percentage of success. Yeah. I think we should do that in New York. Mm -hmm. Arranged marriages. <laughs> I think a lot of people would agree to that. I think so, yeah. Yeah? Would mm -hmm. you agree to an arranged marriage? I would not. No, I wouldn't. 
<laughs> How about an arranged relationship that lasted for like three months where you had to stay in this relationship three months and give it all of your attention and energy? I would try that. Yeah. If it was like match made or something mm -hmm. like, yeah, I would try that. Mm -hmm. You never met the person before? No, not even a picture? No. Like an arrangement. You just meet. Okay. Eh. I guess you have to agree to it first. Yeah, I, that would be a little trickier for me. If I knew it was like matched and I could see the person, I don't know. Because <laughs> I think that's, that's a good tool Like, because I've been in a long relationship and if you're having problems in your relationship, you say, okay, instead of this going nuclear and breaking up, let's just agree to be together for the next three months. Mm -hmm. No talk of breaking up or anything. Right. I and mean, just work out the problems. Mm -hmm. And it kind of takes so much pressure off. That would be nice, yeah. And yeah, people don't what, lose themselves. That's mm -hmm. basically what most people say is the, the hardest part in dating in a city like New York is that there is too many options and there is no reason to stay three months or three days. It's also a fear of intimacy, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people are just kind of overwhelmed a lot here. We just want to go back to our that. go back to our basements and hang out with yeah. the rats and roaches. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, like when you go back to what town in Michigan are we talking about? Uh, this is Gladstone, Michigan. Okay, so it's a pretty mm -hmm. small town. Very small. So, how are the people different there compared to here? I mean, it's it's more family oriented. It's very like working class, blue collar, you know, people, salt of the earth, just very kind, very open hearted, and but not not too. It's it's more of a conservative view, I would say. Right. Also, you know, narrower minds. Right there, you go. Yeah. Exactly. That's so. That's usually the trade off, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you look at too, like we were just discussing dating in the city and marriage. Like, I know girls from my graduating high school class. They're on their third or fourth kid already. You know, they got married to their high school boyfriend. If I had stayed and had been in a relationship, that could have been me too. But if you leave, your options become just so much more open. Right. I think these these towns and just society in general might need to adjust because we're living so much longer. You know, we're not dying in our 40s yeah. anymore. We're <laughs> living to our 80s or 90s. Yes. It's like you really don't need to have a kid in your 20s. No, exactly. You're going to be, yeah, growing up too fast. Growing up too fast. Mm -hmm. But I hear that a lot, that dating is so hard here. Do you think it's different for women than for men? Do you think men have the same complaints? No, I don't. <laughs> I think they can just go on Tinder or any kind of app and just, yeah, you know, she looks fun enough, you know, to take out once and see what happens. I think women are not in every case, but more hardwired to want something at least longer than a week, okay? <laughs> you uh <-huh>. know? <laughs> if, if you like the guy. Right, exactly. Right. Or if you feel like, oh, there's potential there, but you usually don't even get to find out. <laughs> I'm not sure I completely agree with that, mm -hmm. though, because I, I think part of it is it's I, I feel like it's a sign of a, sh a show of weakness for a man to admit that he's having trouble dating or unhappy with the dating scene. So I think maybe just there's less men being vocal about it. Mm -hmm. That's probably true as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, I, a complaint I hear from men a lot is that it's also flaky. You know, and I hear that men have to do all the work mm -hmm. with online dating, especially, mm -hmm. you know, even with Bumble, where women have to make the first, you know, about Bumble. I don't actually know. <laughs> Bumble is, is a dating app where it's the same as Tinder, but women have to, when you match, when you connect, women have to make the first initial communication. Oh, okay. Because usually it's the other way around. Right. Uh -huh. 
you know, and I don't know how that changes things, but maybe it makes it easier to sort for women. Interesting. But, you know, what I hear from men is like, oh, you have to be really creative with your opening line. And women on their Tinder are like, all right, be creative. Don't give me a hey or hi or sup. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, but then on Bumble, women are like, sup, hey, <laughs> hi. And men are like, oh, I really like this third picture. Then all of a sudden they're doing all the work. That's that just the whole idea of that is crazy to me. I have never been on an online dating site. I would never use Tinder. If I can't have a human connection with someone, I don't deserve to. How do you, in meet, my view. How do you meet people then? By going out of my basement and being involved in life. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, having a broad social circle, being involved in things, meeting people, um, you know, just being open to those little moments in life. And if something is worth a second glance, okay. I'll give you my number, but beyond that, I'm not not trolling any internet sites for anybody. When you say, okay, I'll give you my number, that's mm-hmm. if they ask, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They have to ask. Right. Mm-hmm. You never ask for theirs. Unless there is like a connection or like we're from the same town or you start talking about something. It's, you know what, like this, this, you should stay around for a minute. Then I would do it. If you meet the other person that got out of Gladstone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled when I meet people that know what the UP is. I'm like, get out of here. You, I have to know you. What's going on? Do you know what the UP is? I know what the UPS is. Okay. What is the UP? The UP stands for the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh-huh. Michigan is in two parts. Most people don't know that. They just think of the Lower Peninsula, Detroit, Lansing, Flint. And why does that make you feel good if you meet someone that knows that? Because the UP is kind of like being from another planet. And it's like, oh, that's just another connection to home. People realize what that is and how wonderful a place it is and where it is on the map. Because sometimes it gets left off or absorbed by Canada. Right. But why is that? I still don't understand. Like, I understand understand nostalgia. It's Mm -hmm. nostalgic. Yeah. Nostalgic makes us, gives us a sense of safety or something. Mm -hmm. I don't quite understand it, though. Well... To come here and meet someone and to start talking about Michigan, the automatic response is, oh, you're from, like, Detroit? And it's like, no, I'm from the part up there. Usually people don't even know it exists. So when they do, I get delighted because I think I can mention Marquette or Lake Superior or somewhere else they might know. And again, yeah, it is, it's that pull on the heartstrings home for me yeah. in a place where I am not home. Right, because you think, do you think there's that's a big part of who you are? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So if they know the UP, mm-hmm. they know a part of you that most people. Yes. It would take a, more than three months to know. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I make sort of combine our two topics, gender roles and horror acting, one thing I really like about what you do, Kelly, is very often in horror movies there's a cliche of women actresses being over sexualized, and that's not what you generally do not i don't know if that's because you're against it or just because you're lucky to work with some great writers and filmmakers that don't offer you those kind of roles Mm -hmm. but yeah i just wanted to kind of get your your feeling on it are things changing in horror that it's no longer a whole lot of tna of the helpless woman running in the woods naked well yeah thank you for saying that matt and i have been thinking about this a great deal lately there's definitely a link between horror movies and uh, female sexuality and it's something that's never going to change but what can change is having actresses who are empowered to say no you know i'm not just going to be naked in this scene because you know and most often for no money whatsoever Mm -hmm. you know and especially if it's not with a team of people that you know and trust 
that can be a very, you know, precarious situation for a female. Feel vulnerable. Totally, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's being asked of women every day more and more. And if you look at a lot of like casting breakdowns, sometimes they'll they'll say, you know, we need a nude woman, you know, to be like tied to a bed, and you know, just just going to be bound and gagged, and that's horrifying. And to be asked to do it for just out of the good of your heart is a little insulting. Have you me. had that happen to you? I have not, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I have done um, some short films like Painkiller, and um, I did do an In Fear Of episode, um, Fear Of Being Touched. Pl- please feel free to plug the filmmakers as you're saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Saying. Yeah, Jeremiah Kipp, uh, one of my favorite directors to work with, and he also continually keeps me safe on set, always. But um, I did have a What do you scene- mean keeps you safe? For, keeps you safe from feeling vulnerable? Exactly. Or? And making sure you're surrounded by people that aren't going to be making, you know, comments that makes the actress feel uncomfortable. It's a closed set, so there aren't people that shouldn't be there, you know, coming in and out. Right. It's it's very important to feel safe if you're going to be that vulnerable. Yeah. And um, so like, getting back to that, the nudity thing... I have done it, but it's been on my terms. I say, okay, we can imply this, but you're not going to show this, you're not going to show this, you're not going to show this. And that is most often respected. Mm-hmm. And if is if it is not respected, I'd recommend the actress leave immediately because who knows what else is going to happen. I always find it kind of funny when they have a nude stand-in. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, <laughs> you, it doesn't even matter. It's, I feel, always feel like, well, the actress might have just showed her showed her tits anyway Mm because you everyone thinks they're seeing you know right exactly it's so silly the workaround it it is really funny um but going back to horror and nudity i think too it's so linked because that's probably the first time a lot of people were exposed to nudity or sexuality was a horror movie you know i i think of that all the time because it's much easier to you know, be watching a movie and have, yeah, tits and ass appear than it is to try to, like, hide a magazine or a, a VHS, you know, in your room. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone's hiding VHSs no, or magazines No, no, anymore. not anymore. But I mean, like, from the early days of horror movies. That's what... What I find disturbing about it is that it links sex and violence. Exactly. Yes. And that's the weird thing to me. It's almost fetish. It's like fetish, like BDSM. Yeah, yeah, completely. Torture kind of porn, yeah. you know, saw and right. Mm-hmm. It's intrinsically linked. It oh, is. it's a whole category on RedTube. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think, and I'm hopeful that there are more intelligent horror movies being made that doesn't oversexualize women. I think of like The Babadook, which is Absolutely. one of my favorite recent movies in or out of horror. Mm-hmm. This is just sexualized is, men too. Everyone should be just totally well, overly sexualized. That's the thing, and you never see the guy. You always see the girl, but you never see the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy is usually the one chasing the, right. the woman through right. the woods. But yeah, hopefully that trend will continue mm-hmm. and there'll be more intelligent movies that put the woman in, in a more heroic role. I agree. And Femdom uh, horror. Yeah. <laughs> has, a, that, has that been explored? Femdom horror? No, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, that's also a category in Red Tube. Femdom, you know, it's like women that dominate yeah. women and men. Oh, okay. You know, you could have a female killer mm-hmm. that does just switch the gender roles. Well, see, that's what I prefer to do. And like lately, I'm very pleased about this. I'm not being seen as the victim. I've being seen as, 
you know, the evil one or the monster. I, I prefer that role very much. The killer. Yeah, exactly. That seems like it'd be much more fun mm-hmm. than the victim. It, it is. It's always more fun to be the monster. I've always said, I want to be the person locking the people in my basement, yeah. not being <laughs> locked in the... <laughs> Matt, can you go please check the door? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> no, We're not actually your... recording. <laughs> <laughs> These aren't even what? microphones. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's behind these doors? I don't even want to know. There's, There's a everywhere. lot of them. It's like Buffalo Bill's basement down here. <laughs> but I, I do think, fortunately, the, the filmmakers you've met, like Jeremiah, Scott Perry, Patrick Devaney, yes, Adam Ginsberg. All, people, all these names nobody knows. They're, they're, Keep they're them coming. All, they're all coming. great people, all coming great down. filmmakers, smart people, and don't seem like the, the kind of people that would make those kind of films or absolutely and that's why i enjoy working with all those people you just mentioned because they they don't do gratuitous scenes like that or if it is involved you're always spoken to first what Mm -hmm. would you feel comfortable with can we do something that kind of alludes to this but doesn't require you to do something you don't want to and that's that's the difference of working with someone who respects you and someone who's just like we we need boobs tied to a chair. Can you do that for nothing? Thanks. Mm-hmm. Great. Did, did you grow up uh, as a horror fan? No. That's the funny thing as well. I've become more and more immersed in this world. And I've enjoyed horror movies, but I never liked them because they didn't bother me. Uh, you know, I... They didn't I, scare you? Exactly. You yeah. I found so few other than like The Exorcist and The Shining and, you know, things like that that really stuck with me. But mm-hmm. when I watch a horror movie... I, I want to feel disturbed. I want to feel right. the, those chills go up and down my body. I want it to stay with me long after I've watched it. Well, the interesting and thing to me about horror, and I think this is a theater thing, is that there's more energy and potential energy than kinetic energy. Correct. So, like watching someone stab someone, it's not that, I mean, it's horrifying, but that moment when they're just about to, like in Psycho, when you see the shadow outside the curtain and the, the violins mm-hmm. come on, yeah. like that's the scary moment. The suspense. Exactly, building suspense. Yeah, it's the potential mm-hmm. energy before the kinetic kicks in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Why do you think certain people are more drawn to horror than others? Some people, it's either that's not like you said, it doesn't do anything. Some people, are like I don't want to be scared. Mm-hmm. Why do you think certain people want to be scared like that? I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a form of escape mm-hmm. and it's something. But it's also, it's like a way to feel scared, but safe. That's right. That you hit it. Exactly. And there's so many different genres and subgenres of horror that there's really something for everyone. And I, I've come to enjoy it very much, but still, you know, I can, I can watch the, like the gory stuff, but I prefer the psychological Mm. You know, it's much more interesting to me. Like what? Like, uh, would Blair Witch Project? Yes. And what's in theaters right now, guys? The Witch. Mm, I just saw that. And it's a slow burn horror film. It's very suspenseful. I heard it's super scary. It is, but not in the way that a mainstream audience is expecting. So you're going to hear a lot of, oh, you know, that movie sucks because, you, you know, it moves so slow. A lot of people these days can't appreciate a film a like slow that. Move, yeah. Exactly. But it's excellent. Highly recommend it. Do you like that feeling in real life? Like, have you ever felt like someone's following you or you feel like your life is at je- in jeopardy in any way? No, I've, I've been very lucky. In my seven years in New York, I only can count on one hand, like the times I genuinely felt unsafe. And I'm always... Even if you can count it on one hand, that doesn't sound <laughs> well, that no, lucky. No, but I don't know what it is. Like, people don't... 
mess with me. I'm it's very only lucky. five attempted murders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm so fortunate to say I haven't had anything like that happen to me. I have been followed. You know, I have been. Um, How do you know you were followed? Because they're like walking alongside you. Huh, like mm-hmm. trying to get your attention? Like trying to get my attention or they're trying to hustle me or something like that. But I I never like had to rush into my apartment to evade someone else. You know, like it's, I've been very fortunate with that. that that's good. I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that. Yeah. I sometimes feel like women think I'm following them when I'm just walking in their direction. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Because I might be behind them. I'm like, wow, they're still walking. I'm still walking in their direction. Mm-hmm. Then I start to feel like they're kind of like looking back. And sometimes I'll, I'll cross the street. Even though it's out of my way, mm-hmm. just to yeah, to make them feel a little safer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very courteous of you. Wow, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a, and I'm like, they're feeling that fear, right? That yeah, yeah. I don't enjoy feeling like prolonged suspense or anything, but it's part of the human condition to feel all these, you know, different emotions and. You draw on that as an actor. Well, Charles Manson's one of his big things. Did you ever see Helter Skelter? I haven't, but it's on my list to see. Yeah, he, his big thing with horror is that when you scare someone, when they think their life is going to end, that's the only moment that they're completely aware. And honest, too. And honest. Mm-hmm. It brings people to the now. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I also think sometimes that because we are animals, it's in our DNA to feel fear but we don't on a daily basis. Right. So maybe we need ways to feel that, to yeah. release it, because otherwise it just builds up. That's everyone's great. walking around half asleep all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. We need more horror. We need real horror. We do. and Yeah, we're not being chased by animals mm-hmm. or trying to hide from things. So it's it's uh, that's true. Yeah, you ever have like this feeling when, a, when you're maybe waiting for the subway and the train comes and just think about, jumping in front of it all the time <laughs> do you? Do you? i do though yeah uh-huh and isn't it such a kind of it's just like such a sobering feeling it just makes me feel so alive yeah mm-hmm. and- it, it is it's it's very weird that you say that because it's like i have the potential to end this but i'm not going to but i could if i wanted to <laughs> you, ever, you ever think about pushing someone <laughs> no i i think about being pushed though yeah. that is one of my fears i and for no other reason like if someone just doesn't like the look of me or there's a weird person like i i am afraid to be pushed under the tracks yeah that's scary especially when you hear about it a lot you know and mm-hmm. it's out here it's crazy. oh i'm totally on the lookout like yeah yeah that's yes. why like right. people that sit there and like lean over looking for the train uh-huh. it's like why it's gonna get here whether you're yeah, looking exactly. for it or not it's gonna come faster if you're staring yeah, down yeah. The- <laughs> it, it doesn't give me that that rush of horror feeling mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll see someone just standing there and be like, I could just shove that dude right in front of this train right now. <laughs> do you think the people that do actually jump in front of the train, are they people like us who are like sometimes always thinking about it and one day say, what the fuck? Or is it people that have just building up that they're suicidal and they, they plan it, they know that day is going to be... I think it's been building up and yeah. planned. Okay. I, I think it's... So we're all safe, even well, though we I, think I think about we're it. all safe, <sighs> right. It's true. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you don't seem like a suicidal type to me. Thank you. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you still get that thought of jumping in front, and it kind of gives you a rush, right? It, it is. It's it's really interesting, because it's like, you think about those moments, and it's like, you know what? That's all it would take. It's it's so, it's right there. I could if I wanted to, but obviously I don't, you well, know? It's kind of empowering that you have that choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of it. 
Right. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we don't have choices in our lives. We don't know where they're going. This that's is true. this is a very decisive decision I can make right now. Yeah, that's true. But mm-hmm. there's something that bubbles in the brain too, or like kind of just like it's like a heightened awareness mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's the train. Here it comes. I could just do it right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you appreciate life a little more after you don't jump? Definitely. Or, yeah. I appreciate my life very much. <laughs> you do. I do, yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the big tricks to happiness, I mm-hmm. think, is being grateful. Yeah. And I feel lucky to be here where I am. Obviously, I'm not where I want to be financially, career-wise, but I find that with a lot of people, that's the general consensus. But I could be not going after my dream, and I could have stayed in a job that I didn't enjoy mm-hmm. just to make a little more money, to feel a sense of security, which I'll never have. But I'm much happier this way. There's also this thing of be careful what you ask for because you right now you're spending a good amount of energy and attention on succeeding in your career. Mm-hmm. And then when it happens, you're going to be left with all this extra time and mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. and that's often when trouble begins. True, yeah. I would pay off my debts, take a vacation for the first time in my life properly and you know, I would I would do it well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the thing about being in the arts in general is that you might get a role that gives you a lot of money, but then people are always like, well, where's my next one coming? I don't have a paycheck that's, coming and in. And that's the thing. That's such a fickle industry. You can do great in one thing, and then when's your next one? Is it going to come? Right. Will and, you ever have that? And can you feel appeased and faithful that one will come? Right, exactly. Well, Also, Kelly, you seem to be production-minded, and I'm not sure if that's where you're continuing to go, mm-hmm. but I would assume even if you got a big paycheck, you'd probably put a good portion of that back into some future project. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's another thing I would like to be more, you know, philanthropic, able to give to things and to donate, but I, I just don't have it right now, mm-hmm. but there's I would a love, great uh, goal. There's a great reason. Yeah. I would love to help someone fund a project they were passionate about or be involved in like producing another short or a feature or something like that. Definitely. See, I would just love to get so powerful that I could push whoever I want in front of the train. (laughs) You're not going to let this one go. (laughs) I think we should put out an APB for you, Gary Levin. (laughs) (laughs) He'll cross the street if he's making someone uncomfortable, but he will push someone in front of the train. Right, (laughs) I, I wonder, you ever think people can feel me thinking about that? Pushing someone? Yeah. You think so that, this is a legitimate thought that goes through your head when you see someone. Yeah, but it's not as gratifying as feeling like I'm going to jump. Right. Like mm-hmm. When I feel like, all right, I'm going to jump, that gives me the rush. Do you ever look down the platform and think of someone who might push somebody? Could you like identify someone who might be thinking that? Oh, thanks. You just gave me something to think hey, about. you're next. welcome. That's <laughs> what started, I'm here for. It started to exhaust all my <laughs> entertainment activities while waiting for the train. <laughs> And at the same time, are you thinking, well, if I had to push one of these people <laughs> between you two? Right, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I think your bones would crunch, crunch a little nicer, Matt. Mine would? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just want to hear safe, that. You're safe, Kelly. I want to hear Thanks. that crunch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this horror feeling, it's not something that most people get in, in regular everyday life. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe when you get into a car accident. Right. That moment before impact, people say it always. Uh, goes in slow motion. That's true. Mm-hmm. Something scientifically probably happens to the brain in those moments mm-hmm. where everything becomes heightened and like like seconds become milliseconds. It's true. Yeah. Do you? Is there what? Do you you ever bring that kind of stuff to the horror? Like if you have to feel that. 
Usually if I have to feel like intense anxiety or like some super heightened emotion, I try to just like, you know, rev up my heart rate mm -hmm. and try to kind of simulate that feeling. But I don't think you can ever fully recreate that. You do, you, know? do you do that by just like running around the block or running around the block or like um, Jeremiah always has these exercises he has us do. Like if you're not keyed up enough for the performance, he'll have you just start jumping in place and bringing like your knees to your chest. And by the time, you know, he's like, jump higher, jump higher, higher, higher. And by the time you're, you're exhausted, you're getting pissed off at him for making you jump higher. And then by the time he throws you in the scene, you're where you need to be. It's an interesting, um, interesting approach. Is that a director's trick? Director's trick, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had directors just really rub you the wrong way? Yeah, some directors can. Um, oh, in terms of like getting you to a place, or just in general, just pissing you off. Oh, in order to get a reaction out of me, yes. Uh huh. Are you okay with that? If someone's a total jerk, but they get the they get the work they want out yeah, of you, yeah, yeah. As long as they're respectful in general, that's that's okay. Because sometimes that is a tactic to try to, you know, make you more uncomfortable or get to a place you don't want to be. It it can really evoke some different emotions from you that you're not used to feeling. Mm -hmm. And if, especially if a person who doesn't normally treat you that way is saying those kind of things to you, it can piss you off and get you ready for the scene, for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then you know it's just for the better of the right. project. Right, it's just an exercise. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's, in my experiences at least, it's easier to get to some of those darker places on set by being something you do yourself or someone forcing you to do it than rather a comedic place. That's mm -hmm. exactly Comedic's right. a very different, it's more, for me, much more heady than, than hearty. Completely, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. How far will you go in studying for a role? Like I had a friend that had to play a crackhead so he went and he got some crack and he just smoked a bunch of crack. Okay, no. Um, I would not. <laughs> One of my fantasies, uh, twisted whatever, is to play like some kind of a drug addict or like like a character on Orange is the New Black. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm drawn to those women roles that are like hopeless, but very masculine, very, you know, just they're doing what they have to do to survive. I would not take drugs. I wouldn't alter my body in any way other than changing my hair or like losing or gaining weight, something you like that. You mean like uh, get like implants or uh, lip? What, lip oh, lip oh like lip injections, yeah. that kind of thing. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go that far. Right. Mm -hmm. If I could just change my own self to be a little bit more like cosmetically, I've dyed my hair every color in the book. I plan on shaving it completely one day a la mat. Ah. Um, and I almost did for the sci-fi film with Patrick Devaney in mm -hmm. October. But I was convinced to keep this part and I just shaved all the way around instead. Just uh, to give you me kept the, the top and just shaved I around. Did, yes, but I wore the hair back so it kind of looked very like like a comb over. Yeah, or like a like a robot or some it kind looks, of cyborg. It looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. I've seen stills Thank that Patrick has, yeah. has posted. Yeah. And I'm very comfortable with that. I prefer roles that are more masculine in nature it's it's just something that appeals to me a lot because women are so often the victim or you know the ditzy girl tripping into garbage cans i can't stand that i want story and substance yeah i don't see you playing those roles as much nope. as yeah mm -hmm. were you kind of a tomboy growing up that's the thing not at all yeah no but you don't I, seem like a tomboy either and i cut my hair Seven years ago, it was down to probably about my elbow, mm -hmm. and then I've gone short. I've never 
even thought about going back to long hair. It just it just fits me so much. Does long hair have something to do with femininity? Absolutely, it does. Uh-huh. Yes, and if you have short hair as a woman, you have to be confident. You have nothing to hide behind, and it's just you're right there. So when you had long hair, did you feel more feminine and less alpha? I did, and I was also more shy. I found my confidence later on, probably like the end of middle school, early high school, when I started to get involved in theater, but I could hide behind my hair whenever I wanted to, you know? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So, But you could still, you still have a, it's long enough in the front where you can kind exactly. of put it. Exactly, and that's why I like to keep it this way. Like, this side is still the feminine side, but I can make it look more masculine if I want to. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. It always, I always kind of wondered why a lot of older women sh- uh, cut their hair short. Mm-hmm. It will end for ease also. You don't have to worry about, you know, styling it and curling it. And, you know, I'm, I'm a wash and go. I like that. <laughs> I've never been much of a girly girl in that respect. Like, I don't like doing my makeup. I don't like yeah. doing spending a lot of time on my hair. Yeah. I enjoy playing with my look, though. I'm, yeah, I'm too practical. I would make an awful woman. Like, mm-hmm. I could barely dress as a man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I just could never see myself putting that much time. Yeah, energy. yeah, no. Mm-mm. So much work. It is a lot But it doesn't have to be, right? It doesn't have to be, no. Why? Why? Some people like to have this illusion that they're high maintenance, or it's like a mask, you know? It's how you feel comfortable going out into the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you definitely, you say you don't take much time, but you pull off a very specific look that totally works for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But you're welcome. There are, I do see other women who, you know, probably should have been a guy in that way, <laughs> where it's just like, oh, man, you just, you dress terribly, you're mm-hmm. not like, and, you know, I don't know, I, I feel like, it's nice to see someone just take a look in the mirror. Right. Or know? embrace your look. If yeah. you have something going, then just go all out, you know, keep that. Mm-hmm. Is there a role you, you'd like to get besides? I could, I could actually see you on Orange is the New Black. Thank you. If you can carve your own role, let's, let's do it right now. Let's put it out to the universe. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, um, Orange is the New Black was just renewed for three seasons. So that three made more me seasons? three more seasons. Wow. That so, made me very happy. Well, would, if, if you could choose, what would your character, why is that character in prison? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. She was fleeing from an abusive situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. She threw her lover in front of a subway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we are not getting away from that. <laughs> yes, she is on the run from pushing someone in front of a train. <laughs> But yeah, you know, something that requires me to be something completely different from myself. I would love to shave my head. I would lose weight. I would like to portray a junkie without actually, you know, doing it in myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would you be concerned that you wouldn't capture the authenticity of it? A little bit, um, just because I have zero experience with that. But I would like to also see it as a great challenge for me. Mm-hmm. How would you study to become a junkie or a murderer. Oh, wow. 
Hmm. Or both. Because you can be both. You can be both. It's a great yeah. big world out there. Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely observing, you know, people around you. It's not that I frequent places with junkies and murderers, but... <laughs> but you do live in New York City. But I do live in New York City. <laughs> I have more access than Gladstone, Michigan. You've probably ridden on a train with a murderer. Oh, my junkie. God. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I mean, I think it's there is definitely something to be said, like, oh, if I'm going to play a junkie, I need to either do drugs or, or talk to them. But at mm-hmm. the same time, since you do a lot of sci-fi and horror most or many of your roles that you've done you can't relate to like you can't right you, you oh i'm gonna play a, a sea zombie for example mm-hmm. um you can't try that out or you can't talk to another sea zombie well right. the difference you know? is the, the big difference is is that no one else has been a sea zombie so they don't right. really know what it but plenty mm-hmm. of people have experienced i, I see what you're saying yeah that's a good that's point true. Heroin yeah. or whatever okay. right exactly ah, okay. mm-hmm. you're just pushing kelly to start doing a lot of drugs <laughs> <laughs> Hey, she wants life experiences, right? (laughs) You know what? I have a funny story to share with you guys. So I did a a featured extra role in November, and I was playing a switchboard operator, and we were like suicide girls. They put tattoos on us, and like we were dressed really provocatively, and they had these cigarettes next to us, and they they were burning in the ashtray. And the other girls, there was three of us, then the other two girls picked them up and started... I didn't even know how to hold the cigarette. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. So I was like, you know what? I've got enough happening here with the switchboard. I'm just going to let that be ambiance smoke coming up at me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I I would not be a convincing, you know, drug user right off the bat. It would take some time. But you knew how to use a switchboard. Well, no, I was, I was taught that that day as well, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't teach you how to smoke a cigarette. No, no, because it was assumed that I would know. <laughs> right. So, But I, I just chose to not do that. <laughs> I think if I was an actor, like, like you know, trying to become uh, an actor, I would take probably maybe a week, a day, a week where I just did something. I immersed myself in another person. Yes. Maybe I would be a smoking junkie that was thinking about murdering someone for a day and try to hang out with those people mm-hmm. if I could. Right. Seems like fun. <laughs> it, it is. It's a character study for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear about these, like, uh, actors that go and they live amongst those people, mm-hmm. whatever role they're studying mm-hmm. for. Um, I used to live in Los Angeles, and I forget what actor it was, but he was living as a homeless person down in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. And I thought I saw him, and then I read, and I'm like, that's not that guy, because he's homeless. Mm-hmm. But then I read about it, and I was like, wow, I think I saw him. Yeah. He was actually doing it. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's a level of commitment right yeah. there. And I think different things work for different actors. There's a lot of actors that would say method acting and all that is just horseshit. You're just pretending, just go to set, do your job, mm-hmm. and I don't want to have to call you Lincoln or whatever else right. this right. whole yeah. set, because yeah. that's crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you been on set with someone that called themselves a method actor? No, I haven't had that experience yet. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What do you think of method acting? I I think it's definitely a strong approach. Mm-hmm. And if you are only thinking, breathing, living as this character for as long as you're portraying it, I think it's definitely going to affect you. It would scare me to do that. Yeah, but I prefer to switch it on and off when necessary, yeah. as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be scared that I wouldn't be able to click out of it. Well, and Heath Ledger at portraying the Joker, he became lost in that madness and he spiraled, you know, into his own demise you know whatever if that had been building up for years we'll never know but it's kind of interesting to be keeping a journal as a joker when you are heath ledger right and he was sending people cast members uh joker like 
right. tricks and deliveries and yeah, boxes. Yeah, so it's, it's very psychological and very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does. The only thing I can think about that I relate to it is being in a relationship and just like becoming what that other person wanted or what you think they wanted right, yeah. and losing yourself in that mm-hmm. world. Yeah. It's interesting. What's been your most challenging role that you've had? Painkiller. Mm-hmm. Because I had to start out as one thing and slowly degrade into a monster. Like an actual monster or just a human monster? Well, something that, <laughs> yeah, a human monster. I, I never wanted to lose her humanity, and I, I hope I didn't in the performance. But, yeah, she's become more of this thing than an actual human. And maybe she was wrong to make the decision she took to be being the science experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was challenging about it? It was very physically demanding. Um, and true to the title, I got hurt Every single day, you know, things would just happen. We had a physical scene with a dominatrix that got a little bit out of hand. I got elbowed right in the face. I was lashed to the bed with handcuffs and you're, you're pulling and, you know, pulls on your wrist here and there. And it, it was very physical and just very emotional. And I had to cry for hours, hours on end on a cold basement floor, you know, surrounded by garbage. It was it was a, an experience, but it's the best role that I've had so far. What did you do to enlist, elicit those tears? It was, again, focusing on my own frustrations and sadness and things that I wanted to bring to the table with her at this moment. And the cold floor helped me greatly because... I immediately began to shake. So like it felt it so it helped. It changed my cadence, you know, the, it made me feel Look, so a little pathetic. Shiver. Definitely. Yeah. And that's that's something I should mention too. I'm highly influenced by my surroundings and I try to take that into every performance that I that I take. It's like, okay, what is the temperature in here? How am I feeling just in the surroundings and it makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. What if the surroundings aren't Conducive, conducive to the role, yeah. then you've really got to just try to find that within yourself by going through either your past memories or the feeling that you're trying to bring to the character. Now, when you are when you spend hours crying during that mm-hmm. that scene, does that make? What do you walk away with feeling? Ah, oh, refreshed. I got all that sadness out. Or do you feel locked into that sadness? You feel locked into the sadness for a little while. You you can't help but you know, not shake it immediately. It does stay with you. That's why for method acting to me, if it was, you know, a very demented or horrible place, I wouldn't want to be living with that for months and months. Mm -hmm. I prefer to just switch it off. Yeah. I see. I really, I know I've said this before, but I relate to that in a sense because I used to perform as a musician. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I just wrote a lot of melancholy songs. So when I tour or like do a show, I just get trapped in that. And I get off stage feeling like this melancholy person exactly and it wasn't all that healthy for me i'm realizing later mm-hmm. yeah yep that's scary so you need to develop some tools to click in and out you do yeah what do you have any that you can share with me um trying to think what i usually do is i just stay there as long as necessary and then by once you leave the scene you know you you come back into your own reality people speak to you you know you have conversations that start to lighten your mood again but beyond that i i just i just try to get out of it as quickly as possible if it's something that's like mentally making me sad or anything like that well, how do you get out of it do you think about 
Christmas time. You can think about you can think about other things. You can think about positive energy as opposed to thinking about negative or frustration or loneliness. And usually, on a lot of sets I've been on, I don't know if Matt's had this experience. The director, producer, some will come up to you and be like, "Are you okay? You need anything?" You know, just those human that humanity brings you back. Yeah, usually I just go directly to the craft services table yeah, and, and, and eat my emotions. Yeah, just yes. like all right, all right, all right. Well, let's give like? a shout out to craft services. That's a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you you kind of uh, have to talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and you just slowly come back. Hmm. Interesting. And I think, yeah, like we've been saying, it's the job of the director and everyone there to to allow you to bring you there and then get you out. You're right, you know? exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can't really, you know, put it. In you can't face. always rely on it. Yeah. No, no, right. no, you no, do. You definitely exactly. need to have your right. your ways of doing it as yeah. well. Otherwise, you mm-hmm. do become a. Heath but Ledger like, for victim. example, when I was on the floor for seven hours and I had a like a special effect on my back, so I had very limited mobility. Also, like at the end of all of that someone you know helped me up and that that helps as well it's like we're not just going to leave kelly in a pile for an Mm -hmm. hour while we set up this next lens you know it's the humanity that helps right so Mm -hmm. you came here from michigan it seems like things are progressing Mm -hmm. right yeah and uh, we'll go with that (laughs) well you've cut down your job that's like exactly definitive right thing Mm -hmm. it's nice because as an artist it's so hard to measure anything definitively it's not like we're construction workers and we build a room and it's done. Absolutely, and, right. Know. You we're, do a role, you did your best, some people rave, some people hate it. Mm-hmm. You never know. Right. It's very hard to get gratification that's quantifiable. And how do you, uh, like, you know, you hear from different actors that are like, I can't watch myself, I'll mm-hmm. never be happy with anything I do. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's the opposite of that as well. But it seems like more are on the side of disliking what they do. Yeah, I I can watch myself and I enjoy doing that because you can learn from what you did. You can say, oh, maybe I could have done that a little better. I wish that was included. Like, you know, um, a lot of it ends up on the cutting room floor as well. And sometimes some of your best work doesn't get in, but that's just what was best for the film. Mm -hmm. But you can look at every role you have as an experience and learn from it. That's, That's the whole thing. Was it hard to watch yourself at first? A little bit, mm-hmm. um, because the transformation was so great. From theater to video? Oh, oh, from to watch myself on theater or? on uh, Either. Oh, you mean like acting on stage as opposed to delivering a performance yeah. on camera? I, I would imagine watching yourself uh, filming something would mm-hmm. be more intense because of the close-ups. Yeah, and- it, it is. And um, for painkiller especially, you know, I was most, I was bloody, I was bruised, I was yeah. broken for a lot of the time. And I was just, had to live in that place. And a lot of my friends have said to me too, they're like, Kelly, I liked painkiller, but I didn't like seeing you like that, you mm-hmm. know? Because even though it was fake, in that moment, it feels real. It feels like I've been beaten up when you see me like that. Does it scare you when you watch it? No, it doesn't. It unsettled me the first time that I watched it, but now it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where is this painkiller? Is it viewable? It is, yeah. Um, We just had a successful run um, from independent film festivals. It is on... I think it's on Vimeo, and you can download it or you can rent it. And oh, cool! Yeah. Mm-hmm. awesome. We'll yeah. put that in the I'll show notes. I'll send you the link. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's now. I'm curious. I want to watch mm-hmm. it. It's good. I've seen it. You've seen it. Yes, Thank you. seen it on the big <laughs> screen. Uh-huh. Nice. Oh, on the big screen. Yeah, nice. That's always better. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I'd be a little scared to get trapped in that kind of thing. So when you moved here from uh, from Michigan, obviously career is good, but what else what personally? Did you have any other personal goals? Oh, coming to New York, just being exposed to people for the first time, you know, diversity. Uh, there was nothing in Michigan, just, you know, Caucasian people. <laughs> right. And so, there wasn't a really like art or entertainment. It was a three hour drive to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Usually if we had to go anywhere for like entertainment, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a, it's a whole new way of thinking. It's restaurants that stay open past 9 PM and it's Asian food. It's Vietnamese food. It's Mexican food. Like having access to all this had culture. You, had you visited New York before you moved here? I did. Okay. And in fact, I almost came here for school. Um, I checked out the um, American Musical and Dramatic Academy with my mom and my aunt. We took a huge trip and we went through like the tour and it came down to like signing my name on the paper. And I realized I think I'm just too young to be on my own out here in this massive city. So I did go to school in Michigan Mm -hmm. and I came out when I was 23. Mm -hmm. So I think I'd like to think I made the right decision, but I think I'd probably be further along in my career if I had been subject to, you know, conservatory style training and auditions and, you know, just being here. And the networking you get Correct. from yeah. meeting people. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, who knows how it would have formed you. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're all products of our environment mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, you probably, if you went that path, you wouldn't have found the path you're on now. Correct. So. Yeah, well, I do believe that. Well, we always rationalize whatever decision we made, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it, yeah. our brains work. It's true. We kind of have to rationalize everything or else we live in regret. Mm-hmm. I know I, I rationalize everything. Yeah. And I would have regretted not moving to New York. So I'm so glad that I did. Even oh, though it's yeah. been hard, you know? Well, I always tell myself that, you know, at least I'm going for my dreams. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. I'd feel much, many more regrets if I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm, Agreed. Yeah. What, I mean, some people don't even agree to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have a backup plan? At the moment, no. Um, I mean, I, I hate that I even ask that question mm-hmm. because to me, it doesn't even work that way. I feel like I just end up finding interests and you never know where other stuff comes That's from. That's exactly right. I like to consider myself open to opportunity. Like if someone said, I have a huge interest in like crabs and crustra- crustaceans, I think <laughs> it's really random and funny that not a lot of people know. But if someone said to me, you got to get on a plane tomorrow, go to Australia and be, you know, a research assistant in the Christmas Islands for a year, I'd do it, uh-huh. you know? Why, because it just all, sounds interesting. Yeah, and I've always wanted to to go to Australia and to learn about that field in particular, and it's just, I'd do it, you mm-hmm. know? I really would. If your room and board is covered, you come for a year, have a new experience, totally. What, what if you also had to agree to be in a relationship with someone you hadn't seen before for that full year? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> bring, bring on the crustaceans. Yes. <laughs> I'll stick with the crabs and crustaceans. Yes, exactly. Did you ever think of uh, between New York and L.A.? Were you ever like, maybe I should go to L.A.? Funny that you mentioned that. I hear there's a lot of acting there. There, There is. I, I think I've heard that as well. Um, for me, I always knew I would move to New York mm-hmm. first. Um, there's something about New York that screams authenticity and hustle and hard work. And not that L.A. doesn't, and I've never been, so I can't judge it. But it seems more superficial to me out mm-hmm. there, and um, it's it's a very different world. I'm sure. I prefer New York, the hustle and the grind, and you're able to go to any neighborhood without having a car, you know. And just mm-hmm. that being said, I'm planning on visiting Los Angeles for the first time 
in the spring, uh, hopefully next month, but possibly April. I've got some friends out there. I just want to see it, get out of my midwinter funk, maybe crash an audition or two, you know, just get a sense of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is such a different place. I lived there for four years. Mm -hmm. It's such a different world. Yeah. Like everything is so different. It's a totally different mentality. Um, and it was very hard for me to adjust because I grew up in New York mm -hmm. to living in California mm -hmm. in general. Right. But um, I do think you get a lot more human experiences in New York. Mm -hmm. In Los Angeles, you get different experiences, but a lot of people are in their cars for many hours of the day. That's true. Mm -hmm. And uh, here, just being forced to be on a subway platform with people and not pushing them. And not having to push, not <laughs> being able to yeah. push them <laughs> is a real growing experience. Uh, do you have a preference career-wise? Did you enjoy performing in L.A.? Um, I liked living in L.A. It was just a little bit too adult for me at the time. I was in my uh, early, mid-20s. Mm -hmm. And you have to drive, and it just feels like a very adult kind of life. Mm -hmm. But I could see myself living there again later in life. Because you do get a, you get property. You know, everyone kind of hangs out and goes to your barbecue. Mm -hmm. People hang out outside. You just right. end up. That sounds nice. Well, I know yeah, I yeah. prefer the weather, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, and all that stuff you hear about superficial, yes, absolutely, it mm -hmm. exists. But you know what else exists is like really cool, good people. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm looking forward to checking it out for myself because I can't judge it properly because I've never been there. But I just know already New York is more my vibe. Mm -hmm. Well, New York, you don't have the cloud of the industry hovering as much. It's still there, mm -hmm. but it's diluted by regular families That's and true. regular people. Yeah, LA, it's a little harder to get that. I mean, you have a huge Mexican population that are just, you know, living their life. But um, you do feel like this cloud of industry. Mm -hmm. I did at mm -hmm. least. Yeah. People are people always ask. They, they always want to get your angle on things right away mm -hmm. for how they can how you can help them. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want to put expectations in your mm -hmm. head. I think you should experience it with an open mind. Yeah, right? for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've uh, talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I hope dating is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Focus is on career at the moment. <laughs> uh huh. But you get so much from a relationship that you could bring to your art. That's true. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I just love relationships so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like because sometimes, because like, I I I feel like you feel with the online dating, but I also think if I was a woman, I would be I would feel more safe online dating than I would just meeting some dude at a bar. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, at least there's some kind of screening happening. Yeah, mm -hmm. a little bit, right? Right. And you're safe and you're sober and mm -hmm. making your decisions. Right. Right. But you would be the worst dressed woman online. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm sure I would not satisfy anybody but a total slob. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, and talking thank about you, us. Gary. Thank you, Matt. Thank Pleasure. You, Kelly.